0: Hi, this is Chris McGregor of Discerning Hearts, asking for your help during this Lenten and Easter season. Support from our listeners is vital and allows us to bring you and many others high-quality spiritual programs like the one you are listening to now. It also assists us in our outreach to areas around the globe, touching literally millions of souls via the World Wide Web. Our highly rated free Discerning Hearts app allows you to access over a thousand audio files as well as video content now available on our expanding YouTube channel. We've been able to offer online spiritual seminar retreats with Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Monsignor John Essif, and Deacon James Keating. The heart of our mission is to help foster authentic spiritual formation for the seeking soul so they can fully encounter the living Christ and share in his mission of healing hearts and spreading the good news to the world. Please, won't you help us to continue this important work of evangelization by donating today to DiscerningHearts.com. DiscerningHearts.com presents The Heart of the Spiritual Exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola with Father Anthony Wick. Father Wick is the Jesuit priest of the Central and Southern Province of the United States. He currently acts as a retreat master at the White House Jesuit Retreat Center in St. Louis, Missouri. He also serves as a spiritual director at Kenrick Glenn Seminary in St. Louis. The heart of the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola with Father Anthony Wick. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. You know, it's interesting that you bring this up in this fashion because it occurs to me that in some ways given our opportunity to have so many resources to us to be able to read and many of us I know I do I have several different translations of the Bible okay and I and I take and I read and yet it wasn't it said that faith that comes through hearing pierces through the veil the reason I say that is that sometimes when we're reading things, we're using a different part of our brain that has us enter into a more like study of the text that we're taking in as opposed to the imagination, which when we hear something, it gets activated. What is that I'm hearing? What does that relate to? It It's a different type of experience. And the reason I bring all that up is that sometimes... I think when we being able to enter into the scene requires that imagination, but when you're reading it, it's difficult to do that at the same time. Does that make sense, Father, what I'm trying to say?
1: Yeah, I think that's a good practical experience of this and the two options there and how we we struggle sometimes to enter into these things. So I think St. Ignatius knew that too, and, and wanted to provide some helps for you and me. He realized that the gifts given him were meant to be shared with others so that they too can pierce through the veil, as you say well, through the faith that comes through hearing.
0: Well, again, the reason I bring it up is that it really demands for us to, when you are taking in sacred scripture, which is different than even the writings of holy men and women who have a great pious intention of heart and conveying the truth, but when we're taking in the sacred scriptures, that you read it, but then you go got to ponder it not to just blow by it in a paragraph, but you have to, okay, don't stop, give yourself some time to go back and to really absorb it through the other aspects of your intellect and your heartfelt experience of what is being given to you in this sacred passage. Yeah,
1: thank you for sharing that, that lived experience. I think that's very true to most of our experiences, frankly. And so here we are trying to open that up to a, a larger dimension that could be life-giving for us. Perhaps now, Chris, we can speak of the third and last panel of the triptych. Again, is given by Hugo Rahner. And that is God manifested incarnationally in his church, the visible ecclesiastical institution with its external or earthly form. So God speaks to us directly through his church. in Obedience to God's voice. We recognize clearly through the teaching of his church. Uh, that'll become the hallmark for Ignatius when he, when the Franciscans uh, kick him out of the Holy Land. But he hears God speaking through that. Maybe they did that in a rough way. But nonetheless, he, he knows that God can speak through these tough situations. I guess I'm not supposed to spend the rest of my life alone in the Holy Land. So he comes back to your party, Lord, what do you want? How can I better serve you? How can I offer myself more completely to you? And in prayer, he gets the answer that he's called to become a religious and a, and a priest in his case. So he begins his studies, but he hears it's really pivotal for him that God speaks through his church. So much so that as he goes to Paris, finishes up his studies, meets Francis Xavier, Peter Faber, and others, the first companions, companions—that and takes them on a 30-day retreat, which of course is always the beginning of the end. Everybody who does a 30-day retreat with Ignatius is never the same. You could call them ruined for life, perhaps, but uh, it totally changes their life, totally reorders it uh, to God's praise, reverence, and service. So beautiful. He's so effective in in doing that. God does so much through someone who's willing to do that life-giving retreat, especially with St. Ignatius. So as they come together as companions and they're deciding and discerning if God's calling them to become a religious order, they originally also are thinking of going back to the Holy Land, but this time as a group that can be more self-supporting and won't be just a itinerant group. They make a decision, though, that if they don't find a boat that year, that maybe they'll take that as a sign. And instead of being there in the Holy Land following in the footsteps of Jesus, note how important that was for Ignatius to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. Wow. That if that doesn't happen, though, they will go to the Pope. And they will offer their services directly at the feet of the Pope. And that's the origin of the Jesuits' fourth vow of special obedience to the Pope and missions from the Pope. So there's a special listening ear that St. Ignatius has for, his, for the Church of Jesus. Because in faith and morals, that's Christ speaking through her. St. Ignatius finds it easy to hear Christ speaking through his Church. The church, yes, is composed always of frail individuals. There will always even be uh, Judas Iscariots in the church. But at its core, the church is authentic, holy, good, and pure. You have Joseph and Mary right at the heart of the church. And the church speaks from that core. When she teaches us in matters of faith and morals, the way forward, the way to flourish in life, that's God speaking through her. And Jesus promised exactly that. He who hears you hears me, he says to his apostles' So this is the the pillar and foundation of truth we read from St. Paul in his letter to Timothy. So that being the case, uh, St. Ignatius is very much a man of the church. And he even writes at the end of the exercises, you'll see some rules or ways of thinking that help us live within the experience of the church. Sentire cum ecclesia, that's Latin for to think, to feel, to totally embrace this way of being of the church. Sentire cum ecclesia, to to feel with the church, with cum is with and ecclesia is church. So sentire can be not just feeling, but it's a holistic experience of living within the church and to be able to hear Christ speaking through her. That has been always critical in my life. It's not so much that the church teaches this or that that makes the big difference, but I hear Jesus's voice speaking through his church when it comes to these matters. And so it's so much easier to to follow and not to critique the church when I hear that this is Jesus speaking through her. I know it'll bring flourishing. So I don't have to doubt or wonder and see if it concurs with my own insights or if I like what she's saying or I don't like what she's saying because then I'm making myself the ultimate arbiter by doing so. So for St. Ignatius, he was very wary of anybody who would make themselves an, an arbiter over any of the church teachings as was the case of the reformers of his day. So remember that from 1517 on, you have the reformers, the Luther, Swingley, Calvin, critiquing the church, critiquing the teachings of the church, saying that it's not consonant with scripture. And Ignatius had to to push back to that and be like, no, no, if you listen carefully, that's Jesus speaking through her. So that became very easy for him to hear Jesus speaking through the church. And there's an invitation for you and me also to understand, even if we had a problem with some church teaching, like, okay, let me be intellectually honest enough to understand and to study. and Ask someone who accepts this teaching of the church, why does the church believe what she believes? Huh? Why does the Catholic church teach this on this and that on that? Why does she not allow this? And that for Saint Ignatius, that attitude came easy for him. This love of the church to sentire cum ecclesia, to really live within the church, because he he says this, and this will be my last point. The same spirit that animated Christ, namely the Holy Spirit, is the same spirit that animates the church, the Holy Spirit. And so Saint Ignatius called her our hierarchical mother. He puts those two phrases together: our hierarchical mother. That describes for him the church. There's the hierarchy itself is part of her motherhood and her goodness.
0: Father. Could I, I'm going to attempt to be really careful here not to take us down a rabbit hole or to, and to write very carefully like you would on rice paper, okay, on this particular subject and do and reverence and to all this, the souls that might be listening to us, that in our day, because of access to social media, for example, in which the public thought has come out at Lightning fast speed. You know, we say things and do things that, in the time of Saint Ignatius, I mean, it was you had to really work to write down things. <laughs> I mean, to get the paper and the ink and the before you even transmitted it in thought to others, you know, so that it, it went around in the area. But because of that, social media, there has been this real uptick to questioning. So much of what happens in the church today. So that, as whether for rightly or wrongly, there seems to be varying opinions on certain elements in the church. Again, in saying that, in someone who might be listening would say, Am I supposed to accept everything that the hierarchy says? And I've been drawn into this and I'm not sure. And there seems to be all these divisions. And it's more important than ever. To embrace this attitude of Ignatius in this trust, first of the relationship with God, but then also in what truly he is communicating to our individual hearts, and how not to let a lot of the static around us get into that.
1: Yes, yes, that's true, Um, because you have statements from, if I'm on track with you like statements from the vatican that we should be boosted we should get our vaccination shots you have the holy father doing interviews on airplanes which is not his ordinary magisterium he's not exercising that but offering his opinions on the environment or things like that and their opinions you know they're not there's something we could listen to but they're they have nothing They don't speak on faith and morals and that's what we need to believe if we're catholic but there's no I wish he would say that when he, I wish he would make those distinctions himself when he's speaking on faith and morals when he's not, because people are confused by that. They think everything's said. Or the Vatican itself, all of this synodality, whatnot, this whole huge effort on the church to be a listener from the bottom up.
0: We'll return to The Heart of the Spiritual Exercises with Father Anthony Wick, In just a moment, Discerning Hearts provides content dedicated to those on the spiritual journey. To continue production of these podcasts, prayers, and more, go to discerninghearts.com and click the donate link found there or inside the free Discerning Hearts app to make your donation. Thanks and God bless. A prayer of Saint Ignatius of Loyola.
1: Take, Lord, and receive all my liberty, my memory, my understanding and my entire will, all that I have and call my own. You have given all to me, to you, Lord, I return it. Everything is yours, do with it what you will. Give me only your love and your grace, that is enough for me. Amen.
0: Tune in, and so many more. And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has that YouTube page? Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts. We now return to The Heart of the Spiritual Exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola with Father Anthony Wick. Well, and then too, you also have those voices who are highly critical of everything that comes out of Rome today. And their voices may not be exhibiting the type of virtuous tone that was exhorted to us by the scriptures and in relation to their brothers and sisters in Christ. And so, I guess the point I was trying to make in all this is that when we... Listen deeply. You have to listen deeply to what's happening and try not to let, because of the circumstances we find ourselves in today, that, you know, the voice that is amplifying everything around us and the whole, you know, steady. I think that's why the exercises are so important, because they bring us back round to the core of the message of Christ. In his desire to pull us into the heart of the Father, in relationship with the heart of the Father and the Trinity,
1: I should mention, Chris, that this requires a discerning spirit of when the church is speaking in matters of faith and morals and when not. So, for instance, there are competing ideas, and even science, as you see, different science on different aspects that are controversial about. What are the levels of environmental degradation, or what we ought to do in the case of a particular war going on? What is the opinion of the Pope on this or that, or how can we work more with divorced and remarried couples? And so sometimes, for instance, we hear the Holy Father speaking extemporaneously, like on a plane or whatnot, that's not his ordinary magisterium being exercised, though. So he's sharing his thoughts and his concerns and whatnot. We we listen to that, but that's not the case of faith and morals yet. He, that there's nothing that he's speaking that has that requires our obedience there. But it's interesting to hear how he sees different things, uh, as well as some Vatican document or the how we're going to process what's a healthy way of understanding synodality what's an unhealthy way so i think if you just maintain a listening spirit these things will kind of play out over time what the truth is that's garnered from it and then put in terms of a real teaching of the church but frankly the teaching of the church remains what it is that will always be for instance a just war doctrine and it is a doctrine and so there is a time for legitimate defense for instance that's already been defined. We can see all these things in the catechism. And one of the gifts of the Catholic faith is the clarity of her teaching that doesn't have to change or is not adapted to the centuries in which we are. So these are all practical questions that are difficult. And in the concrete, all these decisions are difficult. How should the church respond to this? How about that issue? How about that, this crisis and that crisis? How about immigrants? How about helping nations? How about economy, economic concerns? And the Vatican may say some things about that, but these are not teachings typically that have any, they don't have the backing of the authority of faith and morals. So the church is trying to weigh in on these things, and it's important that she does. It's important that she engages these topics and tries to apply her principles. But sometimes it's good for you and me just to have a docile spirit of waiting and see how this all plays out, as opposed to, ah, what's the church doing? We can kind of go crazy. Or we just presume everything the church says or everything I've ever heard from the Vatican or any Vatican official or the Holy Father in an interview is what I have to believe as a Catholic. And that's not true. So it's nice to have a discerning spirit about when the church is speaking with some authority in matters of faith and morals and when not. Is that helpful, Chris, what I'm saying there? Does that does that make sense?
0: I think so. You know, what I've have taken to heart oftentimes when there gets to be a great clang of static. I'm recalling the teaching of Ignatius, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but that he he will warn that there'll be all kinds of sounds around us. And it's important, you know, not to get distracted by that, that to stay connected at the heart of, you know, the heart of Christ and to keep moving forward without getting— because it can be a distraction. And as you said so well, I mean, it's part of discerning, discerning where we're at.
1: That's wonderfully put, Chris. And you remind me, as you say that, the actual experience of St. Ignatius, which was when there were certain things being deliberated upon in the early society of Jesus. For instance, if one person or another may be made a bishop, which St. Ignatius generally opposed— Didn't see that as part of our charism for us to become bishops of places. And we even take a little promise to avoid ecclesiastical dignities like that, unless the Pope insists on it happening because he's our ultimate superior. Before a decision was made in the Vatican, St. Ignatius would lobby. Oh boy, he would lobby all these cardinals to be like, oh, please don't do this. And he would try to talk them out of this. They were moving in this direction and they were going to ask this person to do this or that within the Society of Jesus or move the church in this way. And he would very much lobby against it, but as soon as the decision was made, he totally let go. He trusted that God would work through this, and so there's a there's a wonderful there's a wonderful in concrete explanation of how he shared his concerns. He was engaged very much in the deliberation process, and so I telling your listeners basically that there's a lot of deliberations going on in the church on a lot of different issues, and sometimes our feedback can be very helpful there. But to worry about the deliberations is, is not right either. Huh? To have a, We need to have a deeper listening attitude and wait to see how things play out. But particularly, I, I would say a great need in the church in the world today is to hear the church in her faith and morals. I think sometimes, many times, people just simply discount her teachings. And it's almost always having some connection too with sexual ethics. A lot of these issues that are contested in the church have some connection with sexual ethics, not all of them, but so many. It's it's so interesting. That's seems to be our last holdout to surrender that aspect of our lives to God. Maybe that's why the the sign of the covenant for Abraham even was the circumcision to remind the people of God that everything belongs to to God, including your sexuality. That's a that's a life giving gift that uh, I want you to surrender that too. Sometimes that's the last our last holdout. Be that as it may. There's a wonderful image that's helpful for understanding faith and morals. And it is comes from the Odyssey. There's a scene where Odysseus is passing the sirens. So there's an island with these sirens who are these women. I think they're women and birds, kind of a mixed creature. And Odysseus is on his way home to his family. There has never been in this wonderful story a sailor who's ever passed by the sirens who didn't turn aside to hear their enchanting voices more and more. And there's never been a sailor that ever left the island. They always died on the island. They couldn't get away. They were so enchanting, these voices. So Odysseus, he comes up with this idea. He's like, I want to hear the sirens, but I also want to make sure I make it to home. And so he has the sailors, his uh, fellow sailors, tie him. He's the head of the boat. Have him tie him to the mast uh, with ropes. And he has them stop up their ears with wax so they they won't hear the sirens. And then he won't have his ears stopped up. He'll hear the sirens. And then he gives them a command. Keep sailing straight, no matter how much I tell you to change course. And so they're getting closer to the sirens. He begins to hear them. And then he starts shouting out, though he's tied tied to the mask. I I changed my mind. Turn there, turn here. He starts yelling at them. And he's totally enchanted by these voices. And the sailors do what they're told, and they keep passing by. Well, that's an image there. That's how you and I have to be. I believe it is Hubert again who has this wonderful image. That's how you and I have to be, is tied to the mast of the church. So in faith and morals, no matter what the sirens of the world are saying, this is a better way to use your sexuality. mode. This is a better way to live this or that. This is the better way to make a living or find happiness. These things, they're all sirens that pull us away from the direct path of coming home, And in this case, back to heaven.
0: Yeah, I think that's a, such a beautiful way of, of describing that, Father, because the thing is, it you have to have a degree of patience, and because sometimes in the conversations and the dialogues that are happening, it is, you said, it's not established as magisterium of the church. It, it, it's a conversation, and Because of this, again, the modern means that we have of communicating, we we hear things instantly. We haven't had the power of the pause where there is that time of deliberation that must occur before these things happen and discernment. But to to peace be still and to really trust what the Lord said, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I mean, ultimately, that's what we have to do. So when we get caught up in all of that, again, St. Ignatius would would ask us to be careful of of all that noise and static around us. Don't remember those things. Trust in the Lord. He said the gates of hell will not prevail. If that's going to be your anchor, trust it.
1: Yes, I think it's important that we stay. Another way of saying that, too, would be stay with the triptych. Stay with your adoration of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Stay focused on Jesus himself. Stay deeply immersed in the scriptures in your prayer. And stay with the formal teaching of the church in matters of faith and morals. St. Ignatius, I would like to add to that third part of the triptych that he also had God concretely manifesting himself through nature. In other words, God sustains all in existence through its being, power, and essence. That's Aquinas. But he's sustaining all. He's very much laboring in his creation for you and me. So God is showing his love indirectly by all of nature, holding it in such a perfect balance for us. That's God at work. And even scientists tell us that chances of such low entropy in the universe, so entropy is this principle that things fall apart naturally. They dissipate. But the chances of such low entropy where everything's held together as it is so well in our world, Chris, is not just 1 in to the 10th power, like it's chances are 1 in 10 of it all holding together so well and not dissipating and falling apart, nor to the add another zero to the 100th power. But you'd have to add 123 zeros to that to get the chances of such low entropy in our universe. So God is sustaining this. Oh, that's science even talking. But you and I know that there's three persons behind this, namely the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit sustaining us in this perfect existence. So for Ignatius, he could, it is said about him that from one of his first companions, Ribba he says that at the sight of a little plant or a leaf or a tiny animal, Ignatius could soar free above the heavens and reach through into things which lie beyond the senses. So that's fascinating. Something beautiful on earth, he would allow himself to be kind of mesmerized by and watch how God is active in that sustaining it, strengthening it in its plant cycle, its, its life cycle, whatever whatever animal it might be, or little plant. And it would lead him to a, this soaring experience beyond the senses into the divine again. So all things pointed for him back to the glory of God. There's a German poet, Holderlin, and perhaps his phrase describes Ignatius better than any other, his experience. So he says this very short phrase, to suffer no restriction from anything, however great, and yet to be contained in the tiniest of things, that is divine. So again, to suffer no restriction from anything, however great, and yet to be contained in the tiniest of things, that is divine. And so St. Ignatius had that ability to see how God, who suffers no restriction from anything, is yet contained in the tiniest of things. Doesn't mean contain restricted but, like, immerses himself, makes himself present in the tiniest of things. So, this is St. Ignatius. This is part of the genius of St. Ignatius. His ability to, to hold together the great and the small, the global and the local. And attention of, of seeming opposites. And it forms kind of the bedwork, if you will, of his desire to, and his vision to set the world on fire. And to draw others into this seeing God present, drawing all things back into God.
0: Any final thoughts on the triptych, Father? And we begin to close our conversation on this particular aspect of moving forward to the spiritual exercises.
1: Yes, I think that's probably enough to say about the triptych itself. I would like to flesh that out with a concrete exercise in our next conversation of St. Ignatius, how he sees all reality in God. So I'm speaking of the principle and foundation of the spiritual exercises, which is exactly that. It's its principle. It is the foundation of the spiritual exercises. And that will give us a solid concrete formation and foundation for understanding how to see this triptych, how to live within this triptych, appreciating all three panels of the triptych, and noticing how one leads to the other to the other. So that can be our next uh, conversation, perhaps.
0: That's awesome. Thank you so much, Father Anthony Wick. Thank you, Chris. You've been listening to The Heart of the Spiritual Exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola with Father Anthony Wick. This episode, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission, which is to offer authentic and rock-solid spiritual formation freely to souls around the world. And if you feel us worthy, please consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for... The Heart of the Spiritual Exercises of Saint Ignatius of Loyola with Father Anthony Wick